Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. Friday football fans. How are you this morning? Get ready for a big weekend around the National Football League, including the Eagles in D.C. against the Commanders. I'm not sure if our announcer was referring to McMullen and McDonald when it, they said great football minds around the Delaware Valley, but you're stuck with us anyway. You got us for, well, you got me for the next two hours. You got McMullen for one hour before he's got to go over and do more Eagle information gathering in South Philadelphia. Johnny Mack, you did that yesterday, and you had to gather up not great news from the Eagles. I'm not uh, don't uh, I'm not the harbinger of the worst news, but additions to the injury list yesterday downgraded from full participant to limited participant. How worried should Eagle fans be that the injury list didn't get better like it did the day before? Uh, some good and some bad. I wouldn't be worried at all about James Bradbury. Uh, talked to him pretty extensively. He seems fine. Uh, Zach Cunningham, same type of thing. He he's good. Uh, Milton Williams, he's going to play through everything. Milton's might be the toughest guy in the world. He's been on, he's been banged up, but he's going to play through Jordan Davis though. Uh, put just put the put a little flag there, Jody. Um, was not moving well when I saw him um, with a hamstring, uh, so that would be the one I would be most concerned about. Um, and we'll see how it shakes out. You know, maybe it's just a little tight. Maybe he'll be fine today. But that's that's one I would put an asterisk asterisk next to. I, and usually when you think of hamstrings, you think of speed guys. Oh, you can't you hurt themselves running as fast as they were. You don't want to test because it's a speed guy. Uh, Jordan Davis has played very well this year. Uh, I know that Jalen Carter is grabbing all the headlines as well. He should, but don't underestimate the improvement in Davis's game as well. But I'm sorry. At no point in his career, I'm going to think of him about a speed guy. Quickness guy, maybe. Speed guy, no. If he didn't have the issue the day before, did he hurt himself? 
quickly moving to a Burger King the night before? No, that's when, a when, shot. Come when, on. When, when exactly did the, the hamstring no. get injured? For for a a, a three hundred and sixty pound guy, Jordan's in pretty good shape if that makes sense. But uh, um, yeah, we don't know yet because uh, he didn't speak. You know, uh, during during the open locker room period, obviously uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to Nick Sirianni. Not that he would tell us anyway. So we're going to talk to him this morning. I assume he's not going to let us in on. Um, he's not going to play, but then you have the final injury reports released this afternoon where they have to, uh, confirm designations, uh, for the game for various players. Um, and we'll see, all you can say is we'll see, but he's the only one I would be concerned about. Uh, obviously Bradley Roby's not going to play again this week. I should add that, but, uh, Reed Blankenship full practice. He's going to be back. Um, and as I mentioned, the other guys on the injury report, James Bradbury, Zach Cunningham, Milton Williams, they're all going to go, uh, barring some kind of catastrophe today. Um, and Shalen Hurts never even appeared on the injury report, so obviously he's going to play. Um, the question is, you know, and again, this happens to every NFL team. I, I, I've heard so much stuff this week about, oh, the Eagles are going to get fined for not putting Jalen Hurts on the injury report. No, they're not. They're fine. As long as you fully participate in practice, right? Um, you don't have to be put on the injury report. There are tons of players banged up in this league. It happens every week for every team, basically, at this time of the year. Um. Now, and then people say, well, Reed's, you know, he full practice. He's on the injury report. He's on there because he didn't last week. So once you're on there, you have to stay on there until you're back in action. Jalen Hurts never appeared on the injury report. Nope. That's the difference. That's the difference. But you did get a chance to watch a couple of minutes of practice. How'd Jalen move? Were, and and I'm sure they tried to limit things so that you or anybody else couldn't give a full evaluative uh, medical update on Jalen Hurts, but the little that you can't completely hide it either. Uh, Jalen seemed to be moving okay. Yeah, he looked relatively fine, I would say. Uh, didn't go through the ball security stuff at the end, but that's you know that was a bigger deal last year with the shoulder. Um, did seem like he was wearing. Um, a bit of a brace, a small brace, uh, on on the knee. Um, took a picture of it for people that want to see it at JF McMullen, but uh, certainly looked like he's still wearing it. And you know, it's something you got to get used to. Um, I don't think he wants to wear it, but uh, you know, as somebody who's had some knee problems, you know, stability is a big thing. And uh, sometimes you got to wear them. Miles Sanders last year, he played through, uh, had a big knee brace on, played through uh, some pretty significant issues uh, and didn't like it, but needed to. And it happens all the time. Did, did you get a picture of the brace at Jalen's locker? Or is he just leaving it sitting there and you snapped a pick or? Uh, the, the Eagles. I got caught. I got you, caught. Would you like this picture? Uh, that this is good 
investigative photography journalism. Well, first of all, I did get a picture of Miles. It's not a picture. You can't take pictures in the locker room. Only video, Jody, which is oh, weird. Sorry. Don't ask me why. It's weird. Um, no still photography, but uh, no, no, no picture of the knee brace. And, you know, I'm not even 100% sure it's on there. It looks like it's on there. Um, obviously, he's wearing long pants because um, he doesn't want to give anything away. But it certainly looked like he had a small knee brace on. All right. So uh, we won't know what Jalen's level of play is, how much the knee may be bothering him, probably till he gets out to, onto the field on Sunday. But a full participant. You heard Johnny Mac, full participant. So stop tweeting and he arrived. Oh, Jalen's not on the injured list. He doesn't need to be on the injured list. But you got to see him when he gets out on the field on Sunday. Uh, they have played the Commanders tough down in D.C. the last couple of years. Kind of a home field disadvantage for Washington. And we had uh, Chris Russell on yesterday, and you specifically asked him. Uh, there was a buzz when Daniel Snyder sold the team and uh, in the nation's capital. They're excited about getting their football team back out from under a very bad owner. Yeah, now they're three and four, as most people expected them to be. Some disappointing losses to some bad teams. Uh, is that buzz still in town? How difficult is it going to be for Eagle fans to get tickets if they want to go? And he said, yeah, they'll be available, maybe not uh, in the droves that they have the last couple of years when it's been a Philadelphia takeover down in Washington, but uh, not that uh, they can be shut out of the game. I told you a couple of weeks ago, I was kind of proud of my fellow Jet fans. They didn't give up their tickets. The Eagles didn't take over Jet Life Stadium. Uh, but he said there, there'll be plenty of Eagle representation in Washington tomorrow. Eagle fans love to travel, and this team is 6-1. How much green is going to be in the stadium tomorrow, John? Uh, I think quite a bit. But, I, yeah, I don't think as much as, as has been in recent past because uh, it, there is more goodwill amongst the fan base, even if, you know, they're disappointed at the recent struggles. You know, they hadn't sold out a game in forever. And all of a sudden they're getting sellouts tells you how uh, despised Daniel Snyder was. So um, it's, it's going to be better for Washington's perspective than it typically has been over the past few years. But yeah, I think there's going to be plenty. I don't think they're going to go jets. Um, you know, Eagles fans have taken over MetLife, especially when the giants, which have been bad for, who have been bad for a number of years until last year, especially when they would play late in the season, the Eagles would really take over that place. Um, Jets fans did a good job. I talked about Detroit last year. I expected a ton of Eagles fans in Detroit. There were none. Uh, they were, they were hyped up about that team. You know, if you have the luxury as a home fan to not, you know, to lock that thing down as a group, um, and it's it's going to be better than it has been for Washington, but there's going to be plenty of Eagles fans there. Here's uh, something that you may or may be able to pick up on after the game. Uh, you won't know before the game because you won't have access to the Washington players. There's some pretty good whispers down there in D.C. right now about the status of their head coach. 
as to whether he's the guy going forward with this team. Uh, shoot, he's only, what, six months when the deal got done. Of probably being the number one guy in the organization, as far as player personnels and decisions go, I think he had more say-so than the general manager did. Uh, gotten off to a slow start, new owner, new broom usually sweeps clean. So people are rightfully, in my mind, speculating that this could be the end for uh, their head coach, Ron Rivera. Players, if if I know about it on Birds 365 up here in uh, Philadelphia, they surely are hearing those same whispers down there in D.C. Do you think you'll see any evidence of that on the field on Sunday? You know, it's always funny when you're on the cusp of, of sort of being relevant and irrelevant. Uh, you know, players can go one of two ways. They That's can why I asked you. They, they, can, they, can, they can check in. I think it's too early that they're going to completely check out. Um, they're still in it. I mean, the – yeah, three and four is yeah, not. I mean, there's no who. Who's the seventh seed right now? I mean, what is it? Three and three. I don't. I don't even know. I have to look up real quick. But uh, they're yeah. They're, I don't think they're going to give up. Um, and they're probably, if anything, I would think they're going to uh, play a little bit uh, harder coming off what was an, a really ugly performance uh, last week against the New York Giants. I think they want to uh, get that bad taste of, out of its mouth. Um, let's see. I'm looking at it right now. And, yeah, and Vi Vikings, believe it or not, three and, four. Seven, three three and, four. and four and four. Yeah, they're in it. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think anybody's given up or woe is me. But I'm with you with Ron Rivera. I mean, just from the standard of, A, I think the game has passed by, but that's that's just a personal uh, uh observation but josh harris you know how this works new people come in they want their own people mm -hmm. i mean so even even if he had been doing a good job he, he would have had to have significantly overachieve you know when with that team you're probably talking about playoffs maybe even a win in the playoffs or they were going to go in the different direction because josh harris is going to want to bring him his own people and by the way that's understandable um you know, you spend $6 billion on something. You want to get the people you trust in the positions of, of power. So, um, yeah, I, he was always going to be up against it. Got one more health question for you. And, again, don't know if uh, you've got any information whatsoever. Cam Jurgens, you see him yesterday? Yeah, Cam's, Cam's going to be ready when his, uh, his games are over. Now... How quickly do the Eagles ramp them up? That's always a that's always a buy you know by player they, scenario. They ramp Nicobe up pretty quick. Soon as yeah. his practice window got open, boom, he's would, right back I, in the lineup. And I would think the same thing holds true for Cam. I I would be surprised if he's not immediately uh, put back because a I think he was playing pretty well. Right, he, he's a big part of their future. Um, so you have both things colliding and he seemed, I saw him last week and he seemed fine. Um, now, you know, and this is players, his last week, right? Did as, as he played four games, so um, the Eagles eighth game. So you're on the practice, the yeah, you're on, you're, you're on, uh, the injury reports, uh, for four games, uh, injury, injury reserve, reserve. minimum. 
minimum of four games. Um, I, I'd have to look up. Everything runs together. But he, he last week, as I said, he looked um, he looked like he was ready to go. Now, yeah, I bring and, up. And oh, Cindy by the Frank. way, Suo Pettit's done a, a fine job, not an oh my god job, but not a yeah. A please get he's back done, to Jacquet. He's he's held his own in in the uh, guard position for. He's done. He's done. I'm I've been pleasantly surprised by how well Sua has yeah, held you up. You and I both. Um, but yeah, I think Cam's a better player. I think he was playing better. Um, I, I don't think there's any hesitate now. I you bring up Nicobe Dean, that's a good example. You know, technically Nick Morrow's playing better than he is. So I don't think that's the case with um Sua and Cam. I don't think Sua I think as I said, I think Sua's held up pretty well, but I think Cam as a whole uh was playing better. So yeah, I don't I don't think there's much much question. When he's ready to go. He's ready to go, and he'll be back in there. So he was injured in week four, uh, and then so five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, this will be this will be his last fourth, game, fourth and week that he's missed. They yeah. can start his uh, his practice window, and I expect him, yeah, right back out there. If you said he's looking good, moving around, uh, okay, in the locker room, that's something to look forward to next week. All right, last thing, and then we're gonna get our first guest up here. That would be a usual Friday contributor, a guy Paul Domowicz from the 33rd team and his outstanding stat pack on jacobsports.com. If you want a preview look at the things we're going to ask Damo about um, Kevin Bayard of practice, everybody's talking about the blue streak as well. They should uh, good acquisition. Howie Roseman once again, seeming to have some kind of uh, advantage over the other general managers in the league. Um, and uh, guys are, uh, seem excited to be playing with Kevin Bayard, the teammates that were asked about him yesterday. I know you only get a short look at practice. I, I'm guessing he was going with the ones. Did he get all the reps that you guys were able to see? Uh, well, we don't get little... to see any reps. None. You get but none? None. What zero. the hell do you see? We get to see individual work. Uh, uh. And, yeah, he was going. He was, you know, the indications are he was – with the ones, I, I don't think there's any question. I gave the over-under uh, and, you know, a couple uh, pains in the asses. They understood what I was trying to say. Over-under every play. Now, you can't go over, so you All should right. take the under. Either, either he is or oh, he I should have I should have said 99%. I think he's going to play the whole game. The whole game. I think, you know, barring injury, of course. He never gets injured. Um, uh, now I'll get in trouble for put the kibosh on him, but uh, I think he's going to play the whole game. I really do. If you're going to get in trouble, then so am I, because I think he's going to play every snap too. The Eagles do that at safety. They don't have, uh, that's not a rotational position for them. Hasn't been before this coaching staff uh, this year. Uh, Blankenship was playing every single snap. I think Evans might've had a game where he played every single snap as well. So that's what they've done. They get their two best guys out there, and they put them out there for 100% uh, percent of the snaps. And I'm with you. I think Bayard uh, fills that role this weekend, even though he's only been here about 20 minutes. All right, you got about three minutes to wait before you get to hear from Paul Domwich. Domo spot on a Friday up next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. 
Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Yeah, Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. It's a football Friday. Means we're only days away from the Eagles going back out onto the field, taking on the Commanders down in D.C. You've gotten a couple opinions from us. We're going to get a very important opinion here for the next 20 minutes or so from our guy Paul Domwich, 3013.com, and of course, jacobsports.com, his stat pack up for this upcoming game against the Commanders. All right, Domo, I got to see if I got company here. Um, I think last week I was the only knucklehead who picked the Dolphins. Did you pick the Dolphins too? Was it you and I? Uh, no, I don't remember that. Okay. Yeah, so that, that means Damo and I were on the wrong side. This week, you and I have a chance to be on the right side. I'm going to see if you'll join me. I've asked a couple people so far. I've set the over for Sunday's game. Sacks by the Philadelphia Eagles at seven and a half. Ooh. Everyone has said... Yeah, they'll get some, but then I got in seven and a half, Jody. Got to take the under. I'm I'm at eight, so I'm the only guy. That's why I said it at seven and a half because I'm thinking eight sacks for the Eagles. 
Are you going under or over seven and a half sacks? Oh boy. Um that's a big I'll number, Tomo. I'll go with you on the over. You know, I mean, yeah, all right. We went right. down last yeah. week on the Dolphins. We go down this week on a positive Eagle stat of eight sacks. Uh, thank you, Damo. Well, they have five last time against Washington. Uh, yeah. That was the Howell's Nick Morrow game. I think I counted. I uh, looked at the stats. Uh, Howell's been sacked 30 times in the last five games. Yeah. Um, it's not good. So, yeah, I think uh, he could be an inviting target, particularly if they're playing catch up, which I think they will be. Agree. Yeah. I, I I do think the Eagles will get plenty of pressure, but I think the Eagles are so good up front, Damo, that teams are so focused more than other weeks, to say the least, that, you know, Eric Bieniemy's telling Sam Howe all week, got to get the ball out this week, got to get the ball out, got to get the ball out. And I think that kind of ships it a little bit, whereas other yeah. teams, they come in and say, eh, you know, <clears throat> New York Giants, all right, we'll take Wink's going to blitz. We all know Wink's going to blitz from the bus. Um, but the, the the talent level is different. And that's where you started on Jacob Sports. And this is a big story this week because all of a sudden uh, Jordan Davis shows up on the injury report. And I saw him yesterday. He was not moving well, Damo. So that's one to keep an asterisk on. And you talked about their run defense yeah. and the improvement there. I think it all starts with Jordan Davis in the middle. He has been unbelievable when it comes to tying up those blocks. Everything we envisioned when they got Jordan Davis and Kobe Dean, let the big guy tie everybody up and everybody else make the plays. That's worked to yeah. perfection in the running game. Well, it worked, worked for Georgia. Uh, so, And that's what Howie size. You know, we get, we just get their game, get their guys translated to the NFL game. And uh, yeah, I mean, Jordan, I don't think he gets enough due for, what he's done in the middle to for that defense. Uh, I mean, they're historically good right now against the run. Yeah, and Miami was number one coming into that game. Everybody talks about their passing game, understandably. They were number one in everything on offense, but they were ridiculous running the football, and a lot of that is is due to their passing game. But the Eagles completely, completely shut it down you mentioned they had two kind of gash plays. And other than that, the vast majority, they, they got nothing. They got nothing on the ground. Um, I, I can't tell you how impressed I am both ends of the football. Pass rush, run stopping with this defensive front. It is it is unbelievable, this group. Um, and I go to the slot cornerback, and I'm going to emphasize it by this. I remember Doug Peterson telling me, you were probably there, Damo, at, at one of his um, sort of sessions, quickest way to have a bad season, multiple injuries at the same position. We're in week eight. They've used seven slot cornerbacks. It doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter because of the front is getting home and nobody can take advantage of it. Is this – you've been around this team for a long time. Is this the best defensive front you think they've had? Yeah, probably. The, the most uh, complete, too. I mean, they don't have a – it's not like they have an edge rusher that can't, you know, can't set the edge uh, against the run. I mean, you know, you. I remember they drafted Milton Williams, and I, I, I didn't think much of him at the time. 
I mean, Milton Williams has become invaluable. I mean, they can put him anywhere. Yeah. He can play the run. He can play the pass. Uh, and then you've just got dominant people. And, and then Fletcher comes back. Yeah, I mean, I, it's and, and they're not even using – I mean, Brandon's at the end of his career. But, you know, BG's not even getting many snaps anymore. Uh, that's just – uh, I'd put it right up there with, you know, I mean, you go back to, you know, to the 80s with uh, Reggie, Jerome, Clyde Simmons, yeah. Mike Pitts, that group. And that was great. But the depth here, that's where I think they separate themselves because obviously, you know, you got Reggie and Clyde and, you know, Jerome and those are all superstar type players, but they have such depth now. It's, yeah. it's, they come at you in waves and Jody and I have given Bucky Brooks, he, he, in the off season, I give Bucky credit. He said, this is the best defensive front. He said, it's the best position the unit. Regardless of offense or defense, best yeah. unit in the entire national football. And I league, think it was right. Eagles defensive line. I think yeah. it was right at the time. I said nah, the Eagles' offensive line is better than. No, I was wrong. He was right. The, this defensive front is because they're great on defense, and they have no right to be great with that second. <laughs> That's how I look. All right. at it. I got to get a timeout in here because um, we're singing the praises of the Eagles' defensive line as well. We should. They've been phenomenal. Do we got to give a little credit to the linebacker play? Does Zach Cunningham got to at least get a little bit of the credit? Nicholas Smart's get a little bit of the credit when you're shutting down other teams from running. And the Eagles are number one in the National Football League against the run, least yards per game. Don't your linebackers at least have to show up? Are we are we completely devoid of giving the linebackers some credit for being part of that run-stopping uh, force that the Eagles have been for the first seven games of the year? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I, I think maybe one of the reasons they haven't gotten more uh, as much credit as, as they deserve uh, for the way they've played against the run is because, I mean, the middle of the field has been a sieve as far as the pass. Uh, you know, that's not all the linebackers' fault. I mean, that's the safeties. I mean, they just they, – they, that's – you know, I mean, they, there had to be gives somewhere with all the injuries they've suffered. Uh, you know, and, and, and Sean Desai has managed to survive. I mean, you look Sunday, uh, you know, they gave up four third and eight or, or betters. I mean, a third and what, 18, I think they gave up a uh, third and 12. And yet they didn't give up points in the, in the fourth quarter. Uh, and, and as you guys pointed out earlier, they, they shut down the run. Um, I mean, they, they're keeping people out of the end zone enough and, and, and playing well uh, enough to, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think Zach Cunningham has been a, a real nice pickup. Uh, and, and now that they got Dean back, you know, that, that's not a weakness right now. No, it's been, I, I described the linebackers as they've been better than expected. And, and yeah. Zach is just, you know, he's a, it's like the old professional hitter cliche in baseball. You know, he just knows yeah. how to play. Um, but Nick Morrow, he's been the guy. I'm like, yeah, where did that come from? Um, he's been, he's been, he's been rock solid. And to Jody's point, look, I mean, we saw Nick Morrow. And and by the way, I talked to Nick a couple of weeks ago. I asked him flat out. I said he played behind the worst defensive front in football last year, the worst Chicago, and it showed. He wasn't great. Yeah. He got a contract with no guaranteed money. And he told me he specifically came here. Oh, yeah, I wanted to play behind this defensive front. And all of a sudden, he looks like a really solid player. 
And yeah. to the point I start asking the question, we all know Nicobe is the long-term answer, but the Eagles are trying to win a Super Bowl. At one at what point does meritocracy come into it and say, all right, we got to keep Nick on the field as long as and if he has a bad game, take him off. But until he has that bad game, are you surprised the Eagles went so quickly back to Nicobe? No, because I know how much they think of him. Um, you know, and I, I think they think he's gonna get better every game, every snap he's out there. So uh you know that he he's fast. He's he's faster than Nick. I don't know what the forty times are, but um, you know, I mean, I, they need to probably give Nick a, a few more snaps. But uh, the, the three the three sacks he had are kind of, you know, I, I mean, I don't put a whole lot of credence oh, yeah. in those. They, those were so yeah. easy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's nice to have a, a you know an, uh, an abundance of wealth like that right now at a position. Yeah, we didn't time. expect that. I got to check yeah. the PFF numbers while we're talking about. What Nick is up to number five, the fifth, the fifth best, best linebacker, linebacker off-ball linebacker. I, in the I'll NFL. give you a number. He no. leads the Philadelphia Eagles in tackles for loss this year. Yeah. All these other great defensive linemen that we're singing the praises to high heavens. Nick Morrow leads the Eagles in uh, tackles for loss this well, year. Well, they're clearing the path. That's the point. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but how many how many me. tackles for loss did uh, our boy Edwards have last year? And or uh, surely not eight after five games. If the defensive line is that good, should have cleared the path for them last year too. And it, they they well, I I, I, I would say about TJ proving how good TJ is. Uh, he was very highly rated last year with the Eagles. Not number five. Uh, At no point did he get to number five in the ratings of linebacker last year. Well, he might have been I, Yeah, he was there. He was number six. He finished number six. So he very well might have been number five. Yeah. I don't have week by week, but he finished number six. Right now, he's number 20 behind the worst even, defense. Even front. in Chicago. Yeah. Wow, he's still playing good football. If he's yeah. number 20 in Chicago. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah. He's a good player. Um, but I will say Nicholas has played tremendously. Yeah, but that's my point with Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis isn't making the plays. He's he's mucking it up so linebackers can run freely. That's what he does. Mm -hmm. And I, I talked about it with Jody. I didn't know if that was going to be too esoteric because people want to see production. And that's not his game. His game is to make it easier for everybody else and it's working and it's working. And I think people are starting to realize that guy's pretty important. And if he doesn't play this week, they'll start to realize how important he yeah. is because it's going to be much. And Washington doesn't have scary running backs, Damo, but it's going to be much more difficult to stop the run. If Jordan Davis isn't in there. I got Damo. Sorry. I was just going to say it also means that Fletch, Fletcher Cox would have to play more snaps, and, and Fletcher's played a lot of snaps already, and he's played well. Uh, yeah. But you know, if Davis is out, it puts more more stress on him on a day that's where the weather. I don't know what the weather is for Sunday. If it's still going to be unused uh, and seasonably warm, but you know, I think it is. Um, but I think it's uh, it, now. There's some rain. I think forecasted. So we'll yeah. see how it shakes out. But uh, um, on 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 paper, I think it's a good matchup for the Eagles. Now, the one thing 
I don't think we brought up this week, Tomo, is Dallas is next week. You know, you know yeah. division game, division game, but is no such thing as a trap game. I mean, Dallas is, you know, a little bit more meaningful. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it in, in, in clubs with Nick. Uh, he seems to be pretty good at keeping them focused on a game at a time. Except when he puts on the Beat Dallas t-shirt. He thinks that's <laughs> his biggest I, I, mistake. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we have to sweat that one. That was I, the two and five next, Sirianni. Johnny know? Mac, I got to ask a helping hand here. For I'm going to respond to someone on the stream. Um, who was the safety that the Eagles signed last year from San Francisco? Chakwaski Tart. Chakwaski Tart. All right. Uh, Dominic Dabney, one of our uh, streamers who contributes on uh, the stream on a daily basis, the president of the Jukowski Tart Fan Club, who told us <laughs> he was the best safety in the Eagles camp last year. How many snaps did he play for the Eagles last year? Oh, that, that would, would be, be a big use egg. Yeah, he did not. Uh, yeah, who just called me a hater. So I'm going to live up to the reputation. Uh, my first over under today was will the Eagles get seven and a half sacks? On Sunday, and I'm going over. Man, I'm such a hater. Um, so here's my next one Jalen Hurts turnovers, one and a half. Are you going over, Damo? Because the Eagles are seven and one, and Jalen's doing a lot of nice things, but he's already turned the ball over this year as much as he did all last year. That's seven games as compared to 17 games. He only played 15, I know, but the Eagles played 17. Um, that has been an issue. Not always Jalen's fault, tip balls, this, that, and the other thing. But he's turned the ball over a good number of times so far this year, under over two and a half sacks for Jalen. Uh, one and a half sacks to get to two. Sacks or turnovers? The way I said sacks, my bad. Thank you for correcting me. Turnovers. Jalen Hurts turnovers. I'm going to go under. I mean, I, okay. I, think, I think it's like going to be a point of emphasis this week for him. Uh, because he knows that if he doesn't turn the ball over, they win this game. Uh, so he's going to be, uh, he's going to be, he's going to ball security is going to be important in that. Unless there's some fluke plays, uh, I, you know, I think this could be a turnoverless game for him. Uh, let's talk red zone, Damo. All of a sudden, we see some life in the red zone. The Eagles yeah. have incrementally got better they were 27th then they're 23rd now they're 19th they're in the top 20 um as you pointed out uh four or six four or five if you throw out the final red zone possession which was you know running out the clock so really four or five um and they're throwing the ball and that's what we said they needed to throw the ball they had the 19 yard screen pass to dollars got her for a touchdown 14-yard A.J. Brown where it breaks two tackles for a touchdown. But, you know, things have a way of evening out in the NFL. And they were so bad, you knew they were going to get better. It was just a matter of time. I'm still concerned they cannot run the ball traditionally, traditionally in the red zone. Is that just a lack of having that type of back, do you think, uh, versus – something else yeah i don't think it's that or we'd maybe we'd see penny act out in the field one of these uh, weeks uh no i mean i just think teams have, have doubled down on stopping them in the red zone as far as running the ball uh 
you know, as, as I mentioned later in the column, their RPO game is not nearly as productive this this year as it was last year. Teams have stopped that. Uh, you know, Jalen's – and now that Jalen's knee, you know, I don't think we're going to see him be reckless running. Uh, so they got it. I mean, teams are, are daring them to beat them in the red zone the way they beat uh, Miami last week with those two uh, touchdown passes. That's how they're going to have to do it um, if, if they're going to continue to improve in the red zone. Interesting uh, question off the point you made. The RPO game, not as productive as it has been last year. Well, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Are the teams stopping it better and therefore the Eagles are using it less? Or I'm trying to remember back to week one, and I don't think they ran a ton of RPOs that week. I don't have the exact breakdown in front of me, but I think just in general, they've been using it less. Are they using it less because the other team's stopping it, or is the other team stopping it that's forced the Eagles to use it less? They're not really using it that much less, Jody. They're still, a, uh, you know, the team with the most RPO plays in the league. Really? I think but, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's down from two years ago when they just used it a lot. Uh, last year, it was very productive, but they cut down a little bit. But they still led the league in it. It's them in Atlanta, um, which is a run-oriented team. Um, no, it's – it's that, you know, every, every no matter – you know, we remember the popularity of the Wildcat? Well, oh, yeah. guess yeah. what? Defenses sat down and with their pencils and – figured out a way to stop that. And and this offseason, one of the priorities was stopping RPO plays around the league, uh, particularly with the Eagles. And so, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'm not exactly sure right now without looking what exactly defenses are doing to stop it uh, specifically. Uh, but the Eagles' numbers are not nearly as, as uh, productive. It's like 8-1 last year, might be 4-something this year per play in, in, in RPO. And if you look around the league, it's it's not just them. Everybody that's running RPOs is getting less out of them this year because defenses have figured out a way to stop it or at least slow it down. Yeah, what do you think about, you know, the league as a whole, Tom? It seems like defenses are are catching up to the, the, the sort of modern style of offense a little bit. The scoring's been down. Um, a lot of people have already said you see the pickup in ticky tack, uh, um, uh, illegal contact fouls to help the offense along. We all know the league wants points on the board. Um, is this just a natural sort of pendulum effect? Uh, goes back and forth, and the offenses will wake up and say, "All right, we gotta, we gotta do something differently." Or do you think, hey? Defenses have uh, figured something out here. Yeah. I mean, the league does not like this. I mean, they want scoring. They've always wanted scoring uh, because they feel it's exciting, and that's what's going to get people to tune in and keep the ratings high and keep their pockets filled. Um, What usually happens in in this league is, you know, the offense, you know, the, the rules are set to favor the offense, and they score a bunch of points, and the defense catches up. And then the, the the league changes the rules again, whether it's liberating, you know, offensive, you know, a blocking uh, situations or or cracking down on on how you tackle, and then the defense catches up again once the offense gets the lead. So, but we're at a point now where I don't know what the league can do to 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 help. Yeah, offenses. how much more? How much more? Yeah, so, 
Um, it'll be an interesting. It, now, you know, I've, I've heard the theory that, you know, quarterback play is just down as a whole. Yeah. There aren't a lot of great quarterbacks. Um, That's part of it, yeah. Buy into that at all. Yeah. I mean, I did a story for 33rd team about three weeks ago on why sacks and pressures were so had had gone through the roof. And, you know, I talked to people and a lot of the reasons, you know, right at the top of the list was the inexperience of quarterback. I mean, the, you know, the Brady's, the Phillip Rivers, the Drew Breeses, all those people are gone and they've been replaced by these young kids who are still waiting for the light to go on or are still feeling their way. I mean, the numbers as far as starts among quarterbacks was, was way down. You know, a lot of guys with like maybe nearly 10 with barely two seasons worth of experience. But you also had, you know, uh, all the open, empty sets offensive coordinators were in, are yeah. infatuated with. Uh, you know, the, sure. the, the fact that you, you don't – I mean, preseason is nothing now, so there's always going to be rust early on in the season. Um, you know, you can go down the list of, of several things that have caused it. You know, I, you know, I, I, I want to see what happens here now that we're in week seven through – you know, the rest of the season, now that, now that the rust has been off, now that you can't blame it on, on, on training camp and preseason, let's see, you know, what happens going forward. One of those earn while you learn quarterbacks is going against Eagles this week. I think Sam Allison, as he leads the league in sacks would fall into yeah, that category. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I quickie quiz for both you guys. Tommy, you first, see if uh, we match up opinion wise. Can't be wrong here. It's purely an opinion. Who was the best wildcat runner in Philadelphia Eagles history? You went uh, wildcat mm -hmm. on us yesterday, and this name came immediately to mind for me. I want to see if the same one comes up for you. Michael Vick? Lonnie well, Brown? He's a quarterback. Wildcat <laughs> means it's got to be someone, am I just making this up here, someone other than the quarterback running the football. Ronnie, Ronnie Brown? <laughs> No, well, Robert, okay. uh, I mean, you can run him a quarterback, but yeah, I see what you mean. Um, yeah, Ronnie Brown with that great, <laughs> that memorable fumble. Um, right, boy. right, last name, wrong first name, McMullen. Oh, uh, yeah. What was the, the kid, uh, the poor Bryce Brown? Bryce Brown, Bryce? Oh, yeah. best yeah. cat runner in Philadelphia yeah. Eagle history. Yeah. I think he well, was the last Eagles. He's a seventh or uh, they only got seven rounds under draft. So I think he was a seven round pick. And you know why? The reason I remember it, where did he play his college football? Where Kansas did he State, play? Right? Well, about five places, if I believe. Yeah. But One okay. of which was Kansas State, which is the nickname of the Wildcats. Okay. He came. Oh, he was a when he showed up, so the Eagles said, "Let's make him a wildcat." He was damn good at. It. I remember. Oh yeah, I saw where you're going. Play. I get I get mixed up with the Jayhawks and the Wildcats, so I was hesitating. Kansas is the Jayhawks. Well, he he was yeah, he was a guy you watched run and thought this is the next great running back. Yeah, and his career. His yeah, he, career he just was talented. He was talented, yeah. Bryce Brown. But I, yeah, I remember the Ronnie Brown play. That was uh, that was great. So I threw Ronnie out there. Um, yeah, the Wildcats, uh, that was, uh, that was a quick, uh, football fan. Yes, they do come and go. Yeah. That was a quick bad that, uh, came and give, it came and went pretty, yeah, pretty quickly. Um, uh, third downs, you know, you mentioned, uh, defensively and this kind of, 
you know, bringing it back to my point about the defensive front, you know, masking some of the deficiencies. For these teams that are able to protect on occasion, there are plays to be made down the field. Miami made a number of long conversions, as you mentioned. Do you think Kevin Byard uh, calms that down uh, a, a little bit? I think he certainly helps, yeah. Uh, and getting Blankenship back, uh, I think that you know the two of them together. I mean, it, uh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a big difference. I'm still interested to see if they make one more, if Howie makes one more move before uh, next week's trade deadline. I mean, I, any I still, more? That's that's the name I would. I don't even know if he's available, but that's the name yeah. I would. I would. Uh, I would look at. They still need a slot corner. Seven yeah. guys. And that doesn't even count Zach McPherson from the preseason. Um, It has been unbelievable uh, how many moving parts they've had in the slot. Nobody can take advantage of it. The Rams took advantage of it for a half, um, and it was ugly. It was an ugly half uh, with Cooper Cup. And then the front said, all right, we'll we'll take it from here. And that was it. Um, it's, It's been pretty amazing how they've persevered. Do we give Sean Desai credit? Sean's getting a lot of credit. I like Sean a lot, and I think he's doing a real good job. Um, but, yeah, I don't give him credit for the slot stuff. I mean, to me, they're just throwing stuff at the wall, and none of it's working. And they just say, all right, Jalen Carter, go make somebody miserable. And that's how they – the best slot corner, this is how I described it, on this team is the defensive line. That's the yeah. best slot corner on this team. Um, yeah, it's been we, a mess. Can we not give Bradbury and Slight credit too, because the defensive line is that good? Or you know, or, you just screwed me, Jody, because I forgot Slay played in the slot for a tiny bit in the in the Rams game, and that makes eight because I didn't count ooh, him. Really? Did he have a slot snapper too? Yeah, I didn't even realize that. Very few, but technically, so that tech. Technically makes eight. Well, here's why I give you credit, Johnny Mac, because you were very outspoken about why the hell are they even thinking about moving Bradbury yeah. into the slot? It just made no sense. He's such a good outside. Why would you do it? Mm-hmm. You know why? And you're right. The Eagles threw up their hands and go, yeah, we got to stop this. They knew what they had at slot. They knew it wasn't good enough. They figured, well, Job is better than all the slop in the slot. Let's give this a shot. And they realized, uh-oh, Job isn't all that good outside either, so we better get Bradbury back out there. And that's all Desai and his defensive backs coaches, which they have too on the roster. They, they, I think they get a ton of credit because they've used those moving pieces and tried different things and haven't just said, well, this, is, this is what we believe in. This is our uh, defense. It's been, uh, don't break. Uh, all hell uh, to uh, Fangio. Well, I do, no, I do, been... I I do give him credit for trying different things. I do like that, um, but I I do want to emphasize on the back end of that sentiment that none of them have worked, which is why they keep looking. Um, and that's you know they've done a tremendous job persevering. Again, I go back to Doug. Multiple injuries at the same position. Now, it hasn't all been injuries. It started with injuries. Most of it's ineffectiveness, uh, to be honest. I mean, Goodrich wasn't good enough. Uh, Ricks, they've tried. I mean, people love Ricks for whatever reason. They're not going to put him in the slot for 70 snaps. I mean, 
They're not insane. Uh, Sidney Brown did get injured. Uh, I think you're going to see Sidney move back to the slot now that uh, Byers here. Roby got injured. So we're talking about four injuries if you add Zach McPherson. You have to throw but, stuff yeah. at the wall. When you got four guys yeah. injured, you better throw something at the wall. Somebody's got to play in there. Yeah. And you ultimately, know, it, it, I think it's Roby when he's back. But unless they pick yeah. up somebody else, unless they get a Kenny Moore. Um, and next year, they already picked up that kid from Indianapolis. Uh, what's his name? Uh, suspended for gambling. Yeah. Oh, sure. Um, I Isaiah Rogers. Right. Uh, yeah. He'll he'll be the nickel corner last year, next year. Because um, of Bonte. Byard can play in the slot as well. Justin Evans yeah. can play in the slot. Um, so if, if Sidney Brown, Brown is not healthy this week, or is no, he's healthy. He he played last week. He uh, he started. I, mean, in the I don't know how I don't know how quickly uh, Byard could assimilate to the to the slot as opposed to playing safety. But I mean, you could always keep Sydney back and and move Byard up uh, and have him playing some slot. I, you know. Yeah, I, I you know you, we might see the first game, but six seven slot cornerbacks. But throw everybody: Sydney, Justin, <laughs> Byard. Try everybody. You have to have that many guys up to play that many in a game. And uh, they don't think they're good. They still like to have a lot of those defensive lines up on game day as well. They should because they've been dominant there. All right. Damo, need you on the record. You and I are over seven and a half sacks. Hater Jody McDonald. Hater Paul Domwich. But yet we're coming up with eight sacks for the Eagles on Sunday. Are you coming up with an Eagle win? What do you think the uh, final score is when they're all said and done down in D.C. on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I think Washington's a, a you know a team tumbling right now, and uh, uh, I think this is going to be a lopsided game. I, I think the Eagles' offense is is going to hit on all cylinders. I'm looking at 38-17. Ooh, big one! Wow, you got Tom can't be called a hater this week. No, uh, I mean no you hater status for you. I, I guess I'm keeping it's the the hater logo because I'm not going 21. I got to have the Eagles winning, but uh, I'm not going by three touchdowns. Good on you, Don. You go back to that first game. I mean, what four Jake Elliott field goals? I mean, yeah, they were. Yeah, they didn't finish drives. Yeah, right. That's so fair. I'm, I'm thinking maybe that they're ready to start finishing drives, and and. Count them, five Eagle touchdowns from Damo this week, 38-17. Uh, check out his entire stat package on jacobsports.com. Damo, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you again next Friday. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, guys. Take care. Paul Domowitz here with us on Birds 365. Big win. Big win from uh, Paul Domowitz. I'm not going three touchdowns. I'm, I'm going, going to pick the Eagles to win. I First time all year I picked them to lose last week. I had to eat crow with that one. Uh, losing to the Dolphins. I'm not going there again. So I'm going to pick the Eagles to win. I'm debating on my score a little bit in my own mind still. But I need you on the record too, McMullen. You correctly said the Eagles are going to win a close game last week. No one had the Eagles winning by two touchdowns last week, and that's ended, ended up being what they did win by. Um, you got them winning this week, and by how much? Yeah, I think they're going to win the game. I think, you know, Washington's kind of leaking oil a little bit. Uh, I, I don't think it'll be as bad as, as Damo has it, but I do think it'll be relatively comfortable 28-17-ish I, I have. I think, um, yeah, the Eagles are 
too good. The one concern I had, I, I briefly mentioned it is, is Dallas on the horizon, but they, as Damo points out, they've been good at, uh, you know, staying in the moment in the Nick Sirianni area. And it is a division game. So it's tough to overlook division games. Um, but you know, Dallas is, is big as, as it usually is. Um, between those two teams. Believe it or not, thing that scares me this week, courtesy of John McMullen earlier in the show. Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis does not look good. Yeah, and well, that's... He is, uh, he is you a, know what? But Washington can't run the ball anyway. So I think it'll be worse, obviously, if they don't have Jordan Davis. But then you're talking about maybe 90 yards at three yards a clip or something like that, which is, you know, how they beat them, uh, to be honest, here at Lincoln Financial Field last season, but also added into that was all the turnovers. So, you know, ball security. And And that's how the Eagles lost the the Jets. The Eagles are turning it over at a quicker rate this year than they did last year. Oh, yeah. well, That game last year was an outlier. Four turnovers by the Eagles. Uh, You come into the game and say, do I think the Eagles can turn it over three times? You can't just dismiss the possibility. No, you can't. I mean, they're six and one for a reason. The one is uh, four turnovers. Um, It's not, it's a theme. When they do lose, they generally turn it over. And I don't think they're turning it over four times. That's why I'll be picking the Eagles. Damo says 38-17. Johnny Mac says 28-17. I'll give you my pick next hour. Bill Calarula, I'll hold his feet to the fire. I'm going to get his picks next hour. Johnny Max safe travels over to South Philly. I'll catch you on Monday. Thanks, Jody. Appreciate it, uh, uh, Bill. Thanks for uh, stepping in. And, yeah, Eagles win, as usual. We shall see uh, on Sunday. All right, McMullen's out. Bill Calarula coming in. Going to join me for hour number two. We've got Andrew DeCecco from... Uh, inside the birds.com. So you're going to jump on with us in about 20 minutes. Hours still to go here on a football Friday on birds 365. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wolbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. 
We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Win and save this baseball season from Colony Pools and Power Washing, a local company serving Delaware, Delco, and Chester County since 1970. Are you tired of looking at your greenhouse? Is your roof, siding, deck stained green from algae and mold? Let the experts pressure wash your home and take the pressure off of you. Win with Colony Pools and Power Washing. Call them now at 302-762-2250. That's 302-762-2250. Appreciate you sticking around for the final hour of the week leading up to the Eagle game here on Birds 365. Jody Mack with uh, my bud, Bill Colarulo, jumping in again. Thank you very much. Uh, Johnny Mack got some damn good info when he heads down on Friday uh, for his sessions with the head coach. So uh, always appreciate it when you jump in here. Got to give you the nod. You were uh, one of those on the records last week who said, Eagles will be beating the Dolphins. Uh, I didn't think so. Tomo didn't think so. We had the little crow on that one. Um, but you correctly uh, suggested the Eagles would be able to at least slow the Dolphins down. I give more credit that they slowed them down to a crawl. I thought the offense was going to put up at least 35 points against the Eagles. What gave you the confidence that the Eagles defense was going to come up as big as they did against the Dolphin high-powered offense? Yeah, what's up, brother? Yeah, the thing was is I hate to make that argument of look at who they played before the Eagles, but yeah. when you re- when you looked at who the Dolphins had played, and I went through the numbers, four out of the five defenses that that Dolphins team had beaten were in the bottom third of the NFL. So those numbers, those numbers were inflated. They got a good offense. Don't get me wrong, a lot of playmakers, but those numbers were really inflated when you looked at the teams that they had played. But you got to give a lot of credit to Sean Desai because what he's been able to do with a different secondary pretty much every single week. You got guys like Josiah Scott from the Steelers practice squad, Eli Ricks, an undrafted rookie. They played a decent amount in that game, and he's got these guys communicating. It's not easy. So a lot of credit to Sean Desai for shutting down that Dolphins offense. They really did play a heck of a game, taking the Dolphins out of their game. And uh, even though, again, turnovers can be an issue and red zone stuff can be an issue for the Eagles, wasn't really in the outcome of the game last week against the uh, Miami Dolphins. All right, so we move along to the uh, Commanders on Sunday. Is there such a thing as an almost revenge game? I've been buying into revenge games forever, watching, handicapping, picking games in the National Football League. And if a team has beaten you, you come out with a little bit more energy, a little bit more focus, a little bit more of a nerve. 
they beat the commanders earlier this year, but they beat them by the hair on their chinny chin chin and not even the hair on my chinny chin chin, which is substantial. It was less than that. <laughs> Needing a overtime field goal to put the commanders in their rearview mirror. Uh, can you can you justify a damn? We almost lost. We better be ready for Washington mentality coming into this game. I think so a little bit. I don't think the team was happy with the way that game ended. They had the lead. Defense gave it up. And if you look at this defense, Jody, they've been a lot different since that Washington game. They let Sam Howell throw for 258 yards. You look at the three games after that against some good passing offenses with the L.A. Rams and the Miami Dolphins. Jets don't have a good passing offense. But you look at those three games, this defense has only given up 183 passing yards a game since that Washington game. So I think they really tightened some things up after letting Sam Howell go for 258. So I think they'll be ready for this game. I don't think they're going to be looking past them to Dallas. They saw they almost lost this game in week four. I think they're going to be ready. I'm expecting that defense to really get after Sam Howell, who's on pace for a NFL record in sacks, which is just mind-blowing that he's been getting sacked as many times as he has. And uh, not a big Sam Howell fan. Um our buddy Ed Kratz came comes on often here on the show, and he did talk up uh, Sam Howe pretty much a blue streak, at least in my opinion, before the season started. And he hasn't been really good, but he hasn't been near as bad as I thought he was going to be. And I got to give him tough guy points because he's getting crushed on a weekly basis. It's crazy, man. And he does get back up, and he hasn't uh, left the game yet. So I, I'll give Sam Howell at least that much credit. All right. I'm sure you talked about it on the Philly Sports Power Hour, but you haven't been able to do so here with us on Birds 365. Howie Roseman again picking the pocket of another general manager in the league. Uh, Bayard, former Pro Bowl safety, still one of the best safeties in the National Football League. And he gets him for two day three picks and Edmonds. Of course, you can give up Edmonds because Bayard's going to come in and take his place. So that's uh, something you don't even sweat when you put him into a deal like that. How does Howie do this? You know, John McMullen says it a lot on this show, Jody. There's a lot of bad general managers in the NFL. I mean, there really is. But honestly, you I don't... Tell me how he is the tallest midget in the circus. Is that what you and McMullen are telling me? He may be. He may be. But I'll tell you what. I really don't think it was that bad of a deal for the Tennessee Titans. This is a guy who, even though he's under contract for next year, it's not guaranteed. The cap hit balloons. They were going to move on from him. They know they don't have a shot in that AFC. So they had to make a move. But if I'm the Titans GM, yeah, I'm not trading again with the Eagles after what happened with the A.J. Brown deal. But love this move by Howie Roseman. And this is why we love Howie Roseman. They just shut down the number one passing offense in the NFL with Terrell Edmonds, who played 100% of the defensive snaps. And Howie turns around and says, you know what, though? Let's bring in an all-pro safety to add to this defense. Never stops. And I love it. And one of the things they've done a really good job at over the years is bringing in guys that really fit the culture. And I know you had somebody from Tennessee, beat writer on. Yeah. Everything you hear about this Kevin Byard is how good of a locker room guy he is, how good of a leader he is, how much he's done both on and off the field. And they've continued to do that with the guys that they've added, the free agents that they bring in. It seems like they're really big on character and culture. And it goes a long way with this team's ability to keep winning games, to keep battling adversity, and as good as Bayard is on the field, I'm just as excited about him as a leader in that locker room. And John and I made this point specifically the other day. 
um, you're right in what you say, but it's not 100%. Because when the Eagles think the player's talent is of a certain level, they'll take on a guy who might not fit the culture, that they believe that they'll make the culture fit the player. I referred to Chauncey Gardner-Johnson last year. They thought enough of the player's talent and skill, even though he came in with a reputation from New Orleans. That's basically one of the big reasons why the Saints were willing to trade him was they could be a highly uh, problematic player, uh, for lack of a better way to describe it. He was uh, someone who you needed to coach up and be on top of a lot. They'll do that from time to time. They don't restrict themselves in, oh, we can only take on guys who are ego-type players. No, they'll take on a talent, and they'll try and stay on top of him and get him surrounded by other guys that they like in their locker room a lot. So I think Howie's, that's just another feather in Howie's cap. He's done a good job of both balancing how they fit in uh, the locker room and also how big a talent uh, they they are acquiring. Yeah, and the reason they're able to do that and take chances with guys like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and even Jalen Carter to a certain respect, a lot of people said, hey, how's he going to be when he gets into the NFL is because they've surrounded them with guys like Fletcher Cox and Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and Jalen Hurts, and now you add a guy like Kevin Byard. They do have that nucleus of good core culture guys where you can take some chances by bringing in maybe a Chauncey Gardner-Johnson who had that reputation and He was fine last year. I know he ran his mouth a little bit after he left Philadelphia and people were rubbed the wrong way a little bit, but he was fine on this team. And I think it's because they do have such a good core leadership group in that locker room. And again, one more time, I'm going to take a shot at the uh, team. The Eagles would be playing 10 days from now. That's the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Jerry Jones on the record is saying, yeah, no, we won't be making any calls. We're good where we are right now. If someone wants to call us, we'll take a call, but we don't think we need to upgrade our roster at all. Are you telling me you wouldn't be better with Kevin Byard, Jerry? I know they've got some veteran safeties on that team that are making more than the league minimum, but they're having lousy seasons. They're all got lousy ratings in PFF. And, oh, by the way, you keep him from the Eagles – if you just are willing to pay a little bit more than the Eagles are in the deal to get Kevin Bayard, again, tip of the cap to Howie Roseman. And I know people want to take shots at Rand Carton because that's all he got in exchange for a Pro Bowl level player. Where's the rest of the National Football League? Why, why didn't anybody else step up and match or supplant an offer that the Eagles made? Uh, I guess we're back to Johnny Mac's stance of this whole bunch of bad general managers in this league. Yeah, that was my thing. I didn't think the Titans GM should have been getting as much slack as he was getting for this, but it was the other general managers. There's other teams in this league that could have upgraded their safety position by bringing this guy on, but hey, Howie's constantly working the phones, and I don't think he's done. I don't think he's finished. I think, you know, on my show, I was saying one of the things I'd like to see him do, and some people told me I was crazy because Rashad Penny's on this roster, but I think they need to bring in a bigger back to compliment DeAndre Swift. And everyone's talking about Penny, Penny, Penny. I think we need to give up on Rashad Penny because if this guy still had anything left in the tank, he'd be able to at least get activated on game days. This is a guy we've seen it throughout his career. The injuries have taken its toll. He hasn't played in a regular season game in over a year. The last game in Seattle was October 8th of 2023. But you look at the three running backs that dress every week, Jody, you got DeAndre Swift, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott. They're all pretty much the same size back. I think DeAndre Swift, a lot more talented than the rest of them. 
But to have that nice change of pace, a bigger back, and I'm not talking about a ton of carries, maybe five to seven carries a game, but I do think they need to add something to this offense with regard to that. You looked at what they did that Super Bowl season. You had three completely different style running backs in Blunt, Ajayi, and Corey Clement. And just to keep going on this, I went and looked at the stats, Jody. This offense, as good as it looks on paper when you look at the overall numbers with regard to running the football, they're sitting there at number four in the NFL at 143 a game. If you take out week two and week three, where they completely dominated the Vikings and the Bucks in the running game, and you just look at the other five weeks, they're only averaging 108 yards a game, which would put them at 19th in the NFL. And even more alarming to me is if you look at the running back carries, what their average yards per carry is, outside of those two games, it's 3.4 yards per carry, which would put them 28th in the NFL. So we love to talk about how good this running game is and the ability they have to take over games when the passing game's not working. In five out of seven games this year, that running game has not been that good. So I don't know if it's Cam Jurgens being out. I don't know if it's not having that change of pace back, but that's something I think they need to fix. Yeah, I think you're over-squeezing the numbers when you take two out of seven games. You want to take two out of ten. You want to take two out of 17. I'm okay with that. When you're taking two out of seven, but, you're, taking, you're taking your best two games and putting well, look them at the aside. Last four, look, at the last four, look at the last four weeks. I mean, four weeks in a row, they had – Against Washington, 3.9 yards per carry from your running backs. The L.A. Rams, 3.6. The New York Jets, 2.35. And the Miami Dolphins, 3.4. It's just an alarming trend for me over four weeks that your running backs have not been able to crack four yards a carry in any game. And in one of those games, 2.35 yards per carry. It's just something to watch. I'd like to see that running game get going this week. Here's where I'll go with you. They they seem to continue to believe that – at some point, Kenny Gainwell is going to break out. And I was kind of a disbeliever on that all off season. And a lot of people, including my partner, Mr. McMullen, said, yeah, but he's really good in the playoffs. No, he's good in one playoff game. He's really good against the Giants. Yeah. The other two games, he was nothing special, including the Super Bowl. Yeah, he got more carries in the Super Bowl than, than Miles did because Miles, A, was hurt, and B, made a really bad decision right off the bat. First play in the scrimmage, he just should have – taking the ball and running guy tries to bounce it outside and he loses yardage and he ends up hurting himself even more. So they got ticked off that and they made Kenny the, uh, the guy who carried it the most on Super Bowl Sunday. The whole Kenny Gainwell really came into form last year, late in the season, woefully overstated and through seven games this year, I think that's been confirmed. Uh, they start the season with him as the number one back. DeAndre Swift got one carry week one. Yeah, I'll give the Eagles credit for at least realizing, uh-oh, Swift is our better back. We need to give him the ball. I still think they're too married to Kenny Gainwell. How about you? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes you got to look at what they do more than what they say. And I think if they really thought that Kenny Gainwell was the answer at running back, they're probably not making that trade for DeAndre Swift on during the draft. So I don't think that they were completely sold on Kenny Gainwell. But I do think I agree with you a little that they probably have him in higher esteem than they should. He's not a bad running back. He's a good complement to this DeAndre Swift, but I still think there needs to be just another element there. You can't have two smaller running backs. And as good as DeAndre Swift is, and I really like him. I love his patience behind the line. I love his ability to hit the hole when it's there. He can hit a home run every time he touches the football. Outside of this season, 
he's only had more than 15 carries two times in his career while he was with the Detroit Lions. So 17-game season, hopefully a 20-game season for the Philadelphia Eagles. DeAndre Swift, is he going to be durable enough? That's a big question mark as well. So that's just why I keep pounding on the table saying, hey, bring in somebody to compliment this guy. All right, last thing, and we'll uh, hopefully get Andrew DeCheco up in just a couple of minutes from InsideTheBirds.com. Um, last year, end of the season, Jonathan Gantin, pretty maligned coach, the defense coordinator here in town, had the numbers. The Eagles were the number one defense against the pass in the National Football League last year at the end of the season. That's pretty impressive, but people hated him because he didn't blitz enough and he didn't get the job done in the Super Bowl. And as soon as the Super Bowl was over, he was already uh, out the door and people uh, gave him the bums rush out of town. But the Eagles' overall defense was was pretty damn good last year, despite what many people thought. They're that much better this year against the run. They're the number one defense against the run. Last year, they were not. Um, when Jordan Davis went down, I think that was a loss. And Dominic Kinsu came in and, and did a decent job filling in for him. But they have been just the best in the National Football League by far against the run this year. How much credit should we be giving Sean Desai for that? You know, I'm giving Sean Desai a lot of credit overall just because of all the changing pieces. But I think a lot of the credit has to go to those defensive tackles. You got the ability to roll out pretty much five defensive tackles who can stop the run with Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, Milton Williams, Jalen Carter, even Tupelodu, Contavia Street. I mean, these guys aren't bad against the run. So as much as I do give Sean Desai credit for the overall defensive schemes he's putting in place, a lot of it is you have defensive tackles that are taking up that much attention from these offensive linemen. And I think that's why you're seeing Zach Cunningham play as well as he has. Nick Morrow playing as well as he has. And now N'Kobe Dean. The offensive linemen aren't getting to the second level. These guys are able to just tee off on the running game. So some credit, Sean Desai, obviously, overall defense. But I think a lot of it has to go to that defensive line. And, you know, you mentioned a lot of people were on Jonathan Gannon because he never blitzed. I actually went back and looked. Last year, throughout the season, they had a 25.5%, uh, excuse me, 22% blitz rate. They blitz 22% of the time. This year, they're blitzing 24% of the time. Yeah, it's not it's that a, big an increase. It's not that much of a difference. It feels like it is at times because he does change things up a little bit. It looks like he's bringing pressure from different places, but it's pretty much the same blitz rate, and that's today's NFL. I mean, there's only a few teams that blitz a lot, and that's just not the way Nick Sirianni wants them to play. And you don't really have to when you have a defensive line like the Eagles do. They're still number one in quarterback pressures this season. So, you know, I know everybody wants to blitz, wants to blitz. It's just really not the modern NFL. And, oh, by the way, the one that you, you just tried to give me numbers by taking the two best games that the Eagles had running the football. Look at what's left. If you take out Nick Morrow's three-game sack, three-sack game yeah. against the, the Redskins, then the blitz really wouldn't be all that effective for the Eagles this year. That game it was, and Nick Morrow was the beneficiary, and Sam Howell paid the price. How big a price will Sam Howell pay this week against the Eagle defense? Bill Colarulo with me, continue to get his opinion, and we'll add a third voice to the mix. That would be our buddy Andrew DiCecco from InsideTheBirds.com. He's jumping in with us next year on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. 
Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You got Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Thank you very much for streaming in. If you want, you can hit the like button. If you like Bill Calarulo, hit the like button. I'm getting the feeling nobody likes me today on the stream, but that's all right. Uh, if you like Andrew DiCecco, you can hit the like button. We need a little help with our algorithm, so go ahead and hit that like button. All right. I want to clear something up here with you, Andrew, because, again, yeah, I'm taking a little grief on the on the stream side today. The game that Nicholas Morrow uh, got Sam Howell three times behind the line of scrimmage, um, they were sacks. Um, how many of those were blitz plays? How many would you consider them blitz plays when Nicholas Morrow had the biggest sack game of the year for the Philadelphia Eagles? Oh, man, I have to think back to week four here. Um, I would say at least two of them, but he hasn't had any sacks since then. So I think that that was a largely a byproduct of the pressure the defensive line was getting and not necessarily an indication of, of Nicholas Morrow being the sack phenom. Understood. But they were 
blitzes, not uh, they they weren't dropping Hassan Reddick back in pass coverage no, on the play no. because someone just accused me of not knowing what I talked about uh, because they weren't blitzes when Nicholas Morrow. If you bring a fifth guy, wherever you bring that fifth guy from, that's considered a blitz, correct? Right. Yeah, they were blitzes. So, Dominique, if you're going to take shots at me, at least be right on the stream. At least know what you're talking about. If you're going to tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. Earlier, he called me a hater. That I can take because at least that's just an opinion. It's an incorrect opinion, but it's an opinion. So you're you're welcome to it. But when you say that Nicholas Morrow didn't get any sacks against the didn't didn't come off the blitz against the commanders, you're just flat out wrong. So uh, try and clean that up a little bit. All right, AD, going down to D.C., the Eagles have had some success there over the last two, three. I, I, I think we need to look at just Nick Sirianni area. You go back further than that. Even though there are players that were here, certainly before Sirianni took over. Why have they been able to go down to D.C. and just beat up on this team? Is it they're just that more talented? Is uh, House of Horrors down there for Washington getting out of a bad stadium? Why have the Eagles been do dominant in that building? Well, they've been able to outclass them and you know, for many years. They've always been the better team for as long as I can remember. And also, it's a, it's a short ride out there. You're not getting on a plane. You're not going cross-country. You're not doing this arduous travel. So I think that that also plays into it. It's also a division rival that they completely outclass every single every single time that they play twice a year. So I think that that all sort of blends into the reason why they've just been able to have such a dominance over this team. The biggest concern I have this week, Jody, is the field at Fed, uh, FedEx Field because that's notoriously been one of the worst stadiums, probably the worst stadium in the NFL for a multitude of reasons, one of which being the, the surface of the field. Yeah, and with Jalen Hurts' knee, it's a real concern. Hopefully, that's not going to be a problem this week. Not on the injury report, which is good. But So, Andrew, question for you, man. Everyone's fired up about the Kevin Byard trade, obviously, what he does to this secondary. But now that slot corner position, it's been a revolving door since Avante Maddox went out. They lost Zach McPherson in the preseason. Who do you have play that slot corner position now, adding Kevin Byard to this team? Long term or this week? Both. How about that? Mm -hmm. okay, okay, so why don't we look at this week first? So I would say Eli Ricks, and speaking to him yesterday, he said he's going to play a lot more on first and second down this week. So he's focusing really? on. So he's focusing on his run fits. So I think that he's done an excellent job stepping in. This is now his second game against the Packers playing the slot. He only really played it very minor in LSU as a freshman in light of injury. So he's really taken to a new position. As obviously the position has been largely undermanned, but I thought that he really has asserted himself and entrusted Sean Desai entrusted him in a critical moment to make a big play in that game. And I think that really speaks to his development. So I would probably start out with him and mix in some Josiah Scott, but I think long-term you're going to probably see an amalgam of players sort of shoulder that burden. Bradley Roby being the, you know, the, the prominent player in that role when he's healthy, he's still dealing with a shoulder injury. But I think they have three players there, and James Bradbury is capable of doing it as well. Obviously, you wouldn't like to see that ideally. But I think that they have three guys there that they sort of are, are, are finding their footing there at the position. Blanket, Chip, and Bayard, 100% of the snaps each in this game, if healthy, if there's no injury involved. The Eagles have not been a rotational safety position. You think Bayard goes in and takes every single snap this week? 
I do. I, I, I do because he's just a he's a pro. He's a consummate professional. Uh, based on uh, talking to Rick's yesterday, Jody, he you know unprompted mentioned how Byers taken to the defense, how he's really you know a- acting as if he's been here already, and and it's sort of a seamless plug in. So I, I would be surprised if he doesn't. Terrell Evans played 100 percent of the snaps last week. Obviously, it was out of necessity, but Kevin Byard is a veteran, a two-time All-Pro, someone who I think is really going to put the time in in these next, you know, since he's got here, especially within the next 48 hours to master the playbook, get in there. And knowing that it's a necessity that he really does stay out there for 100% of the snap. I think Sidney Brown's certainly going to have a role as a third safety, but right now you want to have Blankenship and Byard out there, manning the middle of your back end. That's the best recipe for success for the Eagles. They call Penn State linebacker you. Are we going to have to start calling Middle Tennessee safety you? <laughs> you almost have to now, especially depending on how, how you the performance of the two. Yeah, it's crazy to have two middle, middle Tennessee starting safeties, but love it, love it. Let's go down to that defensive line for a second. One of the rookies that a lot of people keep calling for is they want to see Nolan Smith play. They want to see Nolan Smith play. He gets his first sack last week, but he does that on only four snaps what do you think's holding back Nolan Smith from getting more reps on this team? Just the amount of players in front of him. I think on a norm, in normal circumstances, Bill, I think you would see Nolan Smith carve out a more prominent role on defense. But right now he's sort of a victim of circumstance. When he is going in, you're seeing him go out there with a, with a player with something to prove with his hair on fire, looking to make a play. It was nice to see him get that sack there because he's really taken to special teams and uh, – become a leader very much so as a rookie in that role. So he's done everything the right way. It's just a matter. There's not enough snaps to go around. It's not an, it's not indicative of, of what the team may think of Nolan right now. I just think that as we get further into the season, you're going to need someone like a Nolan Smith. You're going to need someone like a Contavious street to step in there and provide snaps. It's a long season and sometimes it's a war of attrition. So he'll, he'll get his opportunity. It's just unfortunately not, not come as early as many would have liked. All right, uh, since we're talking about backup defensive ends, will Derek Barnett be able to get through the game without taking a penalty so that the Eagles can get a conditional sixth round, seventh round pick, which can disappear if he doesn't uh, last the entire season with the team in exchange for Barnett services uh, come Monday right before the trade deadline? Ah, see, so you're you're in the uh, amongst the the folks that would like to see him or think that he will be traded. Oh yeah, he's not a fan of DB. As in, for the past two years, uh, (laughs) when they re-signed him, one of the rare, the few Howie Roseman mistakes, and he will attempt to take a little of the the mistake away by getting something in exchange for him. Between you and me, Andrew, I don't think there's a league that would give up a a team in a league that would give up a conditional seventh. McMullen's been telling me, oh yeah, oh they'll get a day three, they'll get a day three. I think they would get a day three just given. You have as many pressures as he does this year. You and he are tied at zero apiece. Nobody's giving up anything for him. True. I I just, just to play devil's advocate, I think that his, his age, his pedigree, the position, it's a very valuable position in this league. And I think he provides a lot of depth there. I think he started 45 games in this league. So having him as your fifth or sixth edge rusher, is really valuable for a team that likes to send a tight wave of pass rushers. I think he's more valuable to the, to the Eagles in such a minute role than he would be to someone else. Oh, so you think he's staying? Even if someone offered Howie a seventh round pick, they'd keep him, huh? I think I think Derek Barnett stays, and I also think someone like Contavious Street stays. I know I've gotten a lot of people reaching out saying seven defensive tackles. They can't keep that. That's not feasible to last the rest of the season. 
the team views Contavious Street maybe different than a lot of fans may, and they they really value what he brings to the table. That's my understanding. Contavious yeah, Contav- Street actually has made a play this year, unlike mm-hmm. Dark Barnett. So I just yeah, felt Contavious that need to say that. not a bad defensive tackle. I mean, he's versatile. He can get after the quarterback. He can stop the run. He mm-hmm. wasn't bad in New Orleans. He was pretty good with the 49ers. So I kind of like that move in the offseason they brought him in. But Derek Barnett, finally, though, Jody, to make you feel better, is he's getting less and less snaps every week. I think he only played seven snaps last week. So mm-hmm. I told you I love that, Sean Desai. Yeah, so he's starting to learn very, very quickly. <laughs> Let's jump over to the offensive side of the ball, Andrew, because we've seen some uncharacteristic things from Jalen Hurst this year in the turnover department. Last year, only has six interceptions and two fumbles all season. So far through seven weeks, he already has eight interceptions and two fumbles. What's going on? Is it just fluke plays, or is there something off with Jalen Hurts in the turnover department? Some of them you could point to as being fluke plays, Bill. I mean, I I think there's one in the Jets game off the top of my head. Uh, the Dolphins one was a little was a little goofy, but I think it's a, an amalgam of things, right? You're you're still finding your way with a new offensive coordinator. Yes, we know that he has a longstanding history with Brian Johnson, but it's a whole different ball game when you're you're working you're working in concert with someone calling the plays. Now, I think sometimes there's circumstances where he's pressing, and I, I think it's a just I don't know. You don't want to say it's certainly not regression. I, I just think that there's some plays that. Look, we've seen it with Joe Burrow. You see it across the league. There hasn't been a standout quarterback really this part in the season that hasn't had some sort of a blemish or some sort of a rough patch. And I think you're just sort of seeing it. For him to be, for anyone to expect Jalen Hurst to be able to maintain that level of production in last season, continue it on where he was pretty much flawless, it's just not realistic. Some of the fumbles, yeah, you'd like to see that get cleaned up. But I think some of those interceptions were a byproduct of some fluky plays. I need you to give me a a zero to 10 rating on a Eagle move. 10 being this player could turn out to be the most important and useful picked up off the scrap heap in the national football league this year. Zero being I'd rather have Joseph Nada. I'd rather have Greg Ward. I'd rather have Devin. Is he really even a football player? Allen activated games above Julio Jones. Uh, Julio signing zero to 10. What kind of number you stick on it? As far as long-term impact, Jody, I would say impact period, long-term, short-term doesn't matter. Just impact for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to go ahead and right off the top of my head, give it a seven. And the reason being is the Eagles sorely lack a big bodied receiver behind Devontae and AJ. You're looking at Alameda Zacchaeus, Britton Covey. They're both five, eight. I think just out of circumstance and just out of, body type you're going to see him get out there catch a couple passes down the sideline that are going to probably be in high leverage moments I would imagine just given the trust factor and his experience so that in itself I think is going to is going to pay dividends they're not breaking the bank to bring him in there I think it's a pretty good high upside signing and I think in the red zone you could particularly see it pay off yeah sticking with Julio for a second because obviously Hall of Famer guy's got over 900 catches over 13,000 yards in his career But one of the things that he didn't do very well in Atlanta was score touchdowns. In Mm -hmm. eight of his 12 seasons, he had six touchdowns or less. Was that just a product of the way Atlanta used him in the red zone? Or is this guy – because you look at his body, like you said, he should be someone that's unbelievable in the red zone, and he just hasn't scored a lot of touchdowns throughout his career. Do you think he can add to this red zone offense? Yeah, yeah, I sure do, Bill. And it's it's that's one of the most puzzling things about Julio's career when you look at his Hall of Fame numbers – 
their the touchdown production. You would expect that to be a lot more substantial than what it is. That being said, I think a lot of it had to do with utilization in that area and you know, played with Tony Gonzalez, played with a number of players. And I think that sometimes teams get too cute in the red zone, as we're seeing right now. And I don't think that it's a an indicator of, of, of his of a shortcoming or something like that in his game. I think that he can be a factor in there. I think they need to use Julio, but I also think even more so they need to use Dallas Goddard and get those big bodies utilized in the red zone. All right. Uh, let's see if you're on the same uh, wavelength as uh, Bill Calabrulo here. He said uh, in the first segment before he punched you up, need for the Eagles still a big bodied back that they are willing to activate and use on game day. Well, they're going to have to sit one of the three backs that they have, and they seem to like all three of their backs. They use all three of their backs. Swift, the main guy, Gainwell, not far from it. Austin Scott, your kickoff returner in, in an emergency, throw him in there. They haven't given Rashad Penny much of a shot here. And or could they go out and get a bigger bodied between the tackles back? Is that a need, in your opinion, for the Philadelphia Eagles right now? Running back is. And aside from DeAndre Swift, who leads the backfield, he's the standout. You have guys who have built in roles in Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott, but none of those they're, they're able to do they really move the needle? They, they've given they've been given opportunities, particularly Kenny Gainwell. Boston Scott has a role as a kick returner, but I think they they are sorely lacking a big body running back. Now they have that, you know, in theory on the roster in Rashad Penny, but they're not utilizing them. Why is that? Well, I think that I would speak to a lack of burst and juice in, in his game. He looks like maybe perhaps the injuries have taken a toll on him. He's just 27 years old, but he's suffered a litany of injuries in his career. And also pass protection. If you can't pass protect, you're not going to be active and involved in the game plan on, on Sunday. So, yeah, I think that that's an area that they need to look at. I would also look at reserve safety. I thought Kayvon Wallace would have been a nice addition if they were able to claim him off waivers. Obviously, they were further down the priority list, but Terrell Evans played 50% of the special team snaps, and they need to be able to fill that void. Right now, Sidney Brown would be asked to do that, but he's probably going to take on a, a more prominent role as a third safety. So I think adding a, a, a experienced special teamer from the safety spot, because you don't know what, what you're going to – if if and when Justin Evans is going to return back to the lineup. Andrew, going back to that running game for a second. So one of the stats that I was telling Jody before you came on was if you look at the last four weeks, the average yards per carry just hasn't been there for the running backs. How much do you think that is the way these defenses are playing, or is it the loss of Cam Jurgens at that right guard position? I, I think it's I think it's there's, there's a little bit of both. Both can be true, right? And I think the teams are you see the the uh, the explosiveness of DeAndre Swift, and he really was breaking games open earlier in the season. And you find a way to mitigate that and, and make the Eagles one-dimensional if you can because their passing game was sputtering or is a little bit uneven to, to start, I think that's fair to say. So you're trying to find a way to bottle up someone as electric as DeAndre Swift. But that's also coinciding with the fact that I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the running game really started to falter when Cam Jurgens left and Sue Opeta was inserted. Jack Driscoll played a lot in, in the Jets game. I think that those two things sort of go hand in hand, but they really need to find a way to get going. They should be able to run the ball on this Washington team, despite them having a really stout defensive front. All right. Believe it or not, we've gone an hour and 40 minutes since the show started, and we have not used the phrase either tush push or uh, a cheek sneak or brotherly shove yet. Uh, still people talking about it on a weekly basis. Hmm. 
the National Football League as to whether it should be banned or not banned. How did the Eagles, are they so good at it? Nobody else can do it. I think Nick Sirianni is now actually getting a lot of entertainment out of it and it's playing it up, uh, including his speech after the game with his smile and his turn of the head and smirk when he talked about it. Um, is this a big tush push week for the Eagles this week against Washington? I think every week is when you have a secret weapon like that, why not use it? They have this, they have the personnel for it and they're really good at it. And they're just better at it than the rest of the league as, as Nick Sirianni and many have said. Such a weapon, such a weapon. And you know, it allows Nick Sirianni. We've talked about how aggressive he can be, mm-hmm. but last week against Miami, they go for it on fourth down four times, two of them in their own zone late in the fourth quarter. And it's because of that tush push play. It's a, Really unbelievable weapon. And you've seen other teams be able to do it. They can't do it. Like Sirianni said, other teams can't do it. So I hope they don't I hope they don't ban this next year, but I think that's maybe where it's headed. Yeah, I, I think so. And you're gonna see more and more teams complain and cry about it. But a lot of times, Bill, it's it's just you know, due to the fact that they can't run it and execute it as well as the Eagles can. And what a weapon it is to have. Yeah, it's almost it's almost automatic. It's first and nine always instead of first yeah. and ten for the Eagles. Yeah, they had uh Dallas Goddard mic'd up for the game against Miami. There were some pretty good clips. I don't know if you guys saw it of them. Him talking some trash when they're doing the tush push. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But jumping over to the defensive side of the ball for a second, week four against the Washington Commanders, they let Sam Howell throw for 258 yards. Since that game, three weeks in a row now, the opposing offenses are only averaging 183 passing yards and pretty much with a different secondary group every single week. A lot of credit to Sean Desai, but what are they doing differently to shut down these opposing passing offenses? Well, they're mixing and matching personnel. They're sending a, a tidal wave of pass rushers, which over the course of the game, you're seeing, you even saw it against the Jets game, right? Zach Wilson looked a little bit comfortable throwing the football. Then later as the game advanced, you started to see their line wear down. And that's what the Eagles have. They're able to send waves of guys coming after you, and it really wears down offensive lines. And they, you know, pressure and and coverage work hand in hand, right? So it makes life easier on the back end. And they're able to mix and match their personnel. You're getting guys, like we mentioned, Eli Ricks, getting different guys plugged in there to, you know, kind of come in in certain situations. And Sean Desai has done a fantastic job situationally in in the deployment of his personnel, getting everyone involved that's active on game day. We haven't grown accustomed to seeing that. So I I think I'm glad you mentioned that because you have to tip your cap to what Sean Desai may able to accomplish through seven games. Feels like a long time ago, but it was only four weeks ago when uh, the Eagles needed to kick a field goal in overtime to beat the commanders. You got the L.A. tripping. Last time we talked to our boy here, Andrew, was when he was out there on the West Coast. Uh, Lost the Jets. Big win over Miami. Seems like more than just four weeks ago, but that's all it was. What's changed here that makes you believe the Eagles will win more easily this week on the road? Now, this is Washington's house. I know the Eagles have been very good going into that house and playing there, and you got to take that into consideration. What do you think has uh, – what what has been the best upgrade the Eagles have had over the last three weeks? Well, well you hate to sort of dismiss the offense, Jody, but they're a, they're a unit that you can almost feel – you almost feel like they can show up and they have enough talent there to execute them compile points but I think defensively is where they made the biggest strides I think Sean decides really found his footing as a coordinator he has a full command of his personnel and I think the biggest thing with Sean Desai is and talking to different players he listens he listens to their suggestions and I think when you have that kind of confidence and trust in your personnel and your coordinator 
that, 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 that sort of builds that, that sort of lends itself to a cohesive unit. And I, I think that they're really finding their way defensively and it's coinciding with, with the offense. So that's, that's a, that's an amalgam of, of talent that you have that, that it's, it's sort of a juggernaut that teams aren't going to be able to stop. Yeah, and against the Washington Commanders in week four, Eagles had five sacks, and we talked about how Nick Morrow had three of those sacks. But they're letting Sam Howell get sacked at literally an unprecedented rate. He's on on pace to set an NFL record. Do the Philadelphia Eagles get more than five sacks on Sunday? Absolutely. The Giants got him for six, right? So I look at their offensive line. They struggle across the board. But really where I see the opportunity, Bill, is – Center Nick Gates, right guard Sam Cosme, and right tackle Andrew Wiley. I think he's be going head to head with Hassan Reddick and going into the Super Bowl. That was the matchup that I had: Wiley versus Reddick. I think this is the week where where you're going to see that really take shape, and he's going to be able to bear down and, and provide some pressure there. But right up the middle, Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox, whoever else you want to name, that's going to be able to kind of lean in on that line. They they struggle across the board, and they're going to have trouble containing the Eagles front. All right, I'm glad you went there, but it, because it gives me the right to once again put the guest on the spot. I went over under seven and a half sacks for this guy. Seven and a half. That's a big ass number. But guess what? It's possible. The 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 commanders are that bad at protecting Sam Howell and the Eagles pass rush seems to only get better every single week. Over under seven and a half, Andrew, which way you going? Sacks for the Eagles on Al. That's funny because I was literally just going to say I have him down for about seven Sunday afternoon. So you're just under? You're going to take the under? I'm going to take the under there, but yeah. it, it's it's going to feel like 10, I'll tell you. Because <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that is the case. I'm, I'm, I'm banking on eight because I did take the over. All right. Uh, after the game is over and done with, and I get your official prediction, you believe the Eagles are going to win this week, right? Yes, sir. All right. I'll get your score in a second. What's going to be the number one narrative afterwards? Is it going to be the seven sacks? Is it going to be, uh, the Eagles run the football again down the other team's throats? They've done it a couple of times. The two games Bill took out earlier to say, if you take those two games out, yeah, they they just ran the ball down the opposition. Is that going to be, what's going to be the main storyline after the Eagles' victory against the Commanders this week, if that's the way it plays, I think it's going to be the, the the pass rush really coming to the forefront, Jody. The first matchup, I expected there to be eight or nine sacks, right? I thought that that was going to be a, a Carson Wentz-esque game from the year before, but it never really materialized. This, as you're starting to see them build this momentum, I think that's going to be the storyline coming out of this game, how they're able to take advantage uh, of vulnerability vulnerability on the opposition. So we're talking about sacks by the Philadelphia Eagles team. But the one thing that this commander's defense does well, because they don't do a lot of things well, but one thing they do they do, do well is get after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And they did sack Jalen Hurts three times in, in week four. And the Eagles are giving up a lot of sacks. 20th in the league, giving up 17 sacks. They did last year, too. It's kind of just the nature of the Jalen Hurts offense a little bit. But do you think that they can neutralize that strong defensive front for the commanders this week? Yeah, that, Bill, Bill, that's a tough matchup for, for any offensive line. And yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because you don't want to just dismiss it and think they're going to roll, you know, completely roll this team. They do have certain ways in which they can provide pressure to teams. And that's up front, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat. Um, I, I, and providing pressure up the middle is where I really see them being able to to really get Hurts off his spot, flushing him out of the pocket, 
particularly, you know, going against Kelsey and Sua Opeta, who's going to require some help this week. Um, I just don't know if they're going to be able to afford it, knowing that they have players across the board that can really wreak havoc. Um, and then offensively, I would look at Curtis Samuel as being the X factor for them, knowing that you can get him the ball in jet sweeps, uh, short dump offs, and he's really explosive after the catch. Uh, those are those are uh, some of the storylines that I think if you're Washington, you're looking to uh, exploit. All right, Andrew, uh, last one, two-part question. The second part will be you need to give me a score in the game. But the first one is, and I specifically on Birds 365 dropped notification to the new owner of the Commanders that he should have kept a low profile. And he did. Coming to Lincoln Financial Field, you're still the owner of the Sixers here in town, big guy. Know that the Commanders are a priority, but just hang low. Uh, down low, keep it on the down low. And he did. He didn't get caught on camera at all. This is his house. This is down in Washington. This is a little bit of a different story. Under over shots of uh, the commander's owner, uh, Mr. Harris, on the television broadcast on Sunday. I'm going to set it at one and a half. Will they show Mr. Harris? twice or more on the broadcast i'm gonna take the over on that one over. I, 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 I feel confident about that one jody okay yeah so do i and i, I, I did my hat to harris because i said joshua just don't be dumb and get getting a, a boot so and you stay under wraps don't let the tv because he'd get killed here in philadelphia <laughs> the commanders came into town and he's out there uh pumping his fists or whatever and he didn't want to go he's there. gonna have james harden in the box with him jody oh i hadn't even thought about that good <laughs> good good suggestion there Culver. he's he's ticked off because they didn't take him to milwaukee last night so maybe he does hop in a car and go you got to appreciate the eagles organization when you look around and see what's going on with the sixers man oh absolutely yeah, a little ugly on the sickos. All right, Bill, uh, need you on the record. You've got this, the Eagles winning. I got the Eagles winning. Johnny Max got the Eagles winning. Damos got the Eagles winning. The question is, by how much? What do you think the final score is on Sunday? You going to me or Andrew here? Andrew. Andrew. Right? Yeah. Excuse me. I have the Eagles winning 31 to 20. 31 20. All right. So you got them by 11 points. That's a fairly easy victory. Uh, Andrew, you know we love whenever you come on with us. Thank you very much for doing us today. We'll get you back in a couple of weeks. Sounds great. Talk soon, guys. Thanks, Andrew, Andrew. DeCecco from uh, InsideTheBirds.com. 31-20, Eagles on top. It's close to my score, Mike. It's similar. Uh, we'll get uh, my boy, Mr. Calarulo's score when we come back. One more segment of Birds 365 here on a football Friday. Stay right there.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Grossinger is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Win and save this baseball season from Colony Pools and Power Washing, a local company serving Delaware, Delco, and Chester County since 1970. Are you tired of looking at your greenhouse? Is your roof, siding, deck stained green from algae and mold? Let the experts pressure wash your home and take the pressure off of you. Win with Colony Pools and Power Washing. Call them now at 302-762-2250. That's 302-762-2250. Colorado, Jody McDonald, final segment of Birds 365, a nice football Friday before the upcoming game against the Commanders in D.C. All right, we've only got enough time left for predictions here, Mr. Colorado. I need a final score, and kind of like I asked Andrew, any specific aspect of the game that you think will be the most telling, the narrative that we'll be talking about come Monday about why the Eagles were victorious, were easy winners against the Commanders, had to go to overtime again, or, oh, my God, on the week the Phillies couldn't win two home games, the the, the Eagles go down and lose to the Commanders in D.C.? Give me the lowdown on how the game plays on Sunday. No, that can't happen this week, Jody. That okay. can't happen. Glad, good, I, good to hear it. And I don't – this isn't any crazy take here. I think the storyline on Monday is going to be – how much that defense got after Sam Howell on the quarterback. It's just something we've seen the Eagles have gotten better with each week. Hassan Reddick is officially back, and that Washington Commanders team just can't protect Howell. So I think you're going to see them all over him. And even though they gave up 31 points to Washington in week four, like I've talked about, they've been a different defense over the last three weeks. Held the Rams to 14, held the Jets to 20, and a lot of those points were off turnovers. Held the Dolphins to 17. And 10 of those points were really off turnovers. So this defense is going to shut down the Washington Commanders. I don't see the Commanders putting up more than 17. And I think 
this Philadelphia Eagles offense is going to go over 30 again. I got them winning 34-17. I know it's a division rival, but I just think this team's going to show up to play on Sunday. 34-17, Eagles win big. All right, Bill C. Dama went 38-17, so he's got the lopsided score. You got the second most lopsided. Um, I think it'll be closer than that. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not predicting as good an offensive game for the commanders as they did last time. I give Sam Al credit. Um, I'm pleasantly, well, I wouldn't say pleasantly because I'm not a fan, um, but I've been, been impressed that he has played as well as he had because my expectations were pretty damn low on him to begin with. Yeah, I think he's going to have a tough time against the Eagle defense. My final score is, and there's a twist here, I got the Eagles winning 27 to 19, which I know is kind of a weird score, but here's what I think is going to happen. Did you watch the uh, Thursday night game last night? I did. Mayfield almost brought him back last night. Yeah, he threw one into the end zone to hit the ground untouched. How do you throw a 50-yard Hail Mary that goes untouched in the end zone? Just fell to the ground. It was a very weird ending to the game. But I like what Tampa did. They went for the two. They were down 14. They went for the two late in the game to if they got the ball back, all they had to do was get a touchdown, kick the extra point, they win the game. I think that's going to happen again because Ron Rivera heard all the whispers last time. Oh, it should have gone for two, Ron. What happened to Riverboat Ron? He had a chance to win the game. He played for overtime, and the Eagles uh, stuck in his face with the game-winning field goal. I think you're going to get that again. I think they'll be down two touchdowns. I think uh, Rivera will be given the chance to go for two and do the same exact thing that the Bucs did, get to less than a touchdown late except I don't think they're going to convert on the two. So rather than get to 21, they'll get stuck at 19. I've got the Eagles winning 27 to 19, which means they're a seven-point favorite. I've got them winning by eight. Yeah, I'd stay away from the game on a wager side, but I would kind of lean toward the over. The over is only 43 and a half. Every single one of us is projecting a score uh, over 43 and a half. So at least the Birds 365 crew says, uh, look toward the Eagles on over. And every single one of us says the Eagles winning. So, uh, Bill, good job. Thank you very much for jumping in. Uh, for Johnny Mac, uh, enjoy your show coming up next. Yeah, we got right. Dave Spadaro joining the show. So stick around for the okay. power hour. Spadaro's doing it. Uh, you have some comments about what either the Phillies manager or Phillies general manager had to say yesterday? Yeah, we're going to talk about it a little yeah. bit. I, I promised my viewers we were going to get away from the Phillies for a little while. Everybody was still All right, so you, you're going Eagles heavy today. All right, keep it here for the Power Hour. That's up next. Uh, thanks to Bill for jumping in. Thanks to both Paul Domwich and Andrew DeCecco for jumping in. Johnny Mac and I will be here on Monday prior to that Sunday. Busy day down at the Ocean Casino. Feel free to go down and see the pre- and post-game show. If not, be right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel to get all the Eagle action. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday here on Birds 365. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time.
on Birds 365. 